Hello, welcome to this week's Therapy For Me. And I'm going to start with a little bit of a recommendation, even before we get into the podcast proper. If you've got Netflix, then do yourself a favour and go give yourself two hours and go and sit and watch Red Notice. Red Notice is a film with uh, Gal Gadot and uh, Ryan um, Reynolds and um, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Um and it's magical in terms of it's completely it's complete nonsense, absolute nonsense. Um, but it's got a real light touch about it, and it's it's funny all the way through, and it's just a nice two hours. It's it's the perfect week for it. With the week that we've had, it's been it seems to have been cold all week, and with the frost and all those things, you could do a lot worse than turn the fire on and go and watch uh, Red Notice. In about 20 minutes' time, when you've finished listening to this week's Therapy For Me, which we'll kick off right now with some of that twangy guitar. Monday. I'm starting to get a little bit worried about Boris. He went up to the North East today to give a speech to the CBI. Now, normally a speech to the CBI is a relatively, I guess, simple thing and a relatively easy thing to, to put together. You go up there, you don't upset business, you don't say anything silly, you talk about innovation, you talk about um, um, you know, British manufacture, you talk about the things that we're good at, uh, you instill confidence and you come away again because the one thing you want the business community to believe is that you're competent and that you've got both hands on the wheel and you know exactly what you're doing and you can be trusted. It didn't quite go to plan. Um, For whatever reason, um, he managed to go off on some kind of weird story about Peppa Pig World, um, which I don't think really made a lot of sense to to many people. Um, He did impressions of uh, diesel cars and he managed to lose his place in his notes and for nearly 30 seconds uh, flapped around trying to get back into the right spot uh, to continue his speech. It It was a car crash. It was an absolute car crash. And it's been widely slammed by pretty much um, everybody, whatever side of the political spectrum you were on, uh, you came out and said this was this was concerning, which of course it was, and it and it presented an open goal to Keir Starmer, who just really went up there and said, "Yeah, we're competent. We know what we're doing. We're we're not him." Um, which which you know, for a Labour politician to be able to do that at the CBI is is something quite unusual. There's a fantastic takedown. A very, very brilliant deadpan takedown by uh, Ross Atkins, uh, who does um, some of the work on the BBC News Channel. And he does sort of four minutes on this speech and and takes you through it in uh, relative detail, just so you can see how much of a car crash it it absolutely it absolutely was so i'll put it in the in the notes because it's well worth a watch in fact to be honest i will try and shave 4 minutes off the podcast to to give you time to watch that clip because it's because it's so well worth watching the thing is that 
he was having a bad time of it anyway. The whole sleaze thing clearly is stuck and has caused a problem. But he had a very difficult, very, very difficult uh, PMQs last week, including the point where he uh, he he got effectively got told to sit down and shut up by the Speaker of the House, uh, Lindsay Hoyle. So it's it's be, it's been a funny old time um, for the Prime Minister, culminating in what wasn't, you know, I mean, I mean, it's kind of, I mean, I suppose because it's Boris, you look at it and go, well, it's Boris, but we need to remind ourselves, this is the Prime Minister of the UK. This is what the outside world sees. And the guy is a clown. Just end of story. He's a clown. But don't take my word for it. I'll put the clip in the notes. Just watch it. Make up your own mind. Tuesday. Uh, my football team, uh, Sheffield United, were playing away tonight and they went down to Reading. And the game um, was one that had been chosen for broadcast by Sky. So I sat down. I'd missed some of the first half, but I got I got half the first half and watched uh, most of, well, all of the second. Um, and we won 1-0 and it was clean sheet and it was it was an OK game. Um, you know, it wasn't it, it wasn't anything spectacular. Um, but it was it was good to get the three points, and Reading's always one of those tricky places to go to. So it was you know it was it was good in that respect. But that wasn't the bit that I shall remember for the um, you know from the evening. Um, halfway through the second half, um, we had a ten minute delay, in fact nearly eleven minute delay in proceedings um, while one of the United players was attended to, and it was one of those horrible moments where. You you just see the entire players jumping up and down and waving arms and clearly concerned about something. Uh, one of our midfielders, a guy called John Fleck, who's a, a very tenacious um, Scottish midfielder, one of those kind of uh, no nonsense, um, very you know play, play strong but fair kind of midfielders. He he'd collapsed on the ground and they pulled the camera away from the incident very very quickly. Um, but at the first bit. When he was on the ground, you could see that his that his his legs were you know were, were shaking and he was either fitting or convulsing or something, um, you know at that point in time. Now we don't know what that's been caused by, and there hasn't been an enormous amount of information, um, you know, put out about it since. But he was clearly in some distress. The uh, the the fans on the far side of the ground were also you know trying to alert people, and obviously with with as you'd expect now. The the medical teams got on the on the on the pitch very quickly, and he was taken. Uh, he was he was sat up on the stretcher as he was taken off. They administered oxygen while he was on the pitch, and he he went straight from there to uh, to you know a hotel in Berkshire, and was you know and was 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 comfortable uh, when he arrived at, at hospital. As it turned out, he was discharged the next day. Um, so in in that respect, you know, thankfully nothing any more serious than that. Though how it will affect his career moving forward, um, I, I don't know, and we don't know. Um, aside from the fact that it, it's an awful, uh, you know, whether you're in the ground or you're watching on television, it's an awful period when when you're watching it uh, unfold because there really isn't anything you can do or say. It's just that moment where you're just hoping that everything's going to be going to be okay and I've been in the ground um, at least once where that kind of situations you know happened and there's and 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 it, it's as if the whole place in an instant knows there's something wrong um, and and that was you know that was something that was palpable even through the TV 
um, screen the other night. So, but it also talks to the fact this seems to be whether it's just that we're more sensitized to it uh, or not, but it seems to be happening slightly more often than I necessarily recall from from the past. Now, as I say, it might just be that we're not focusing on this, or we focus on this far more than we used to. But it does seem to be something where you know a lot of a lot of very very healthy um, professional sports people uh, are are finding this this happening. Um, you know, as I say, more more regularly. So, I mean, the one thing it has brought about is 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 far greater um, medical facilities and and medical teams and people being ready to act on these things far quicker. So it it, it does mean that you would hope there are you know, far better outcomes when this is happening. But it'd be interesting to find out if there is any sort of reason why this is happening as often as it's it's happening now. As I say, fortunately, um, John Fleck uh, was, you know, was okay on Tuesday night and then was released from hospital on Wednesday. So hopefully, you know, hopefully there's nothing more untoward that will come from it. But but yeah, it'd be interesting to see how this develops. After the football last night, I ended up watching a documentary. I can't remember what the name of it was, but it was it was about model trains, um, as in the kind of model trains that you remember um, as a child. So the the sort of narrow gauge uh, Hornby type model trains. In fact, the documentary last portions of the documentary were based at the Hornby. Uh, works which I didn't realise up until I, I watched the program is down in in Margate, and it was fascinating. But it was also really I don't know reassuring is the wrong the wrong phrase, but maybe this is just an age thing. I don't know, but I'm finding my, myself now taking comfort in these kind of programs obviously i talked about um mortimer and whitehouse and the fishing program which is a very gentle um kind of stroll through their fishing adventures and and this was a very gentle kind of you know program i mean there were a lot of a lot of largely grown men because they were largely grown men getting quite animated about different bits on model trains and how they 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 matched up to you know to to the to the actual real life um engines and they would they spent their time um working on a on an intercity 125 and if if you're my sort of age then you will remember the impact that the intercity 125 uh, had uh, when it came out in fact, these were the, the the age of the train adverts. If you go back and uh, you remember that, you know th- those things. And this thing was, I mean, you see you see one of the original ones now, and they look they're sort of they're sort of belching out, you know, black smoke and what have you. But at the time, compared with the really kind of strange diesels that had been the the sort of the go to through through the sort of seventies and eighties. Then, then these things look really sleek, and they were really got that kind of pointed front, and the the lights at the front, and the speeds because they went up to 125 miles an hour. Hence the the, the Intercity 125, um, you know, sort of moniker. These things were really quite 
they were really quite exciting. And I remember the first time I ever want one, went on one and how exciting that, you know, that was. This was this was new age space travel. And these guys at, at Hornby were they were they were they were reissuing issuing their Intercity One Two Five, and they were they were redoing it because there'd been a few things from the original model they'd not been they'd not been happy about. And I got more and more immersed in this particular program, and just as I say, found it really really comforting. The reason why I'm mentioning it is because I interviewed the bass player from Status Quo today. And that doesn't happen every day. Uh, and this guy, uh, John Rhino Edwards, who has played with everybody and has done as, and has been everywhere and played with everybody and met an incredible list of people and, and had an incredible raft of stories. But in the first couple of minutes of this conversation, I happened to mention I'd watched this documentary and he'd watched it as well. So I bonded. I bonded with the bass player from Status Quo today on a documentary uh, about Hornby trains. Um, and we both then also agreed how much we liked the Michael Portillo programme, where he obviously jumps and goes in and around the, the, the train lines as well. So if you ever find yourself with a, with a rock star or somebody who has been in that world, your best bet to making a connection with them might be something far more mundane than you think. Thursday. Talked about Sheffield United uh, earlier on, and uh, as if to keep it the theme running through uh, this week, we decided to sack our manager today. Um, and we've uh, we've 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 sacked him uh, and uh, Slavisi Jakanovic, he was called. Um, and we've sacked him and we've gone back to a guy called Paul Heckingbottom. So if ever there was a, a move from the European back to absolutely straight ahead Yorkshire, then that probably is it. Um, the the thing with this is that um, this is kind of a, a nobody's a winner scenario. And, and it's kind of, I don't know how I'm going to really tackle this. We lost our... We lost another manager in the, in Chris Wilder, which I will I covered and and spoke about, and was quite disappointed by that decision because I I felt that he'd been let down. I felt they'd been left let down by the board, not supported by the board, and the promises he was given about investment he never came to fruition. And at the end of the day, football is a you know is a transfer based business. Um, I mean, if you want to change the way a football team plays, then you are going to have to bring the players in you need and 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 Slav wasn't given the opportunity to bring those players in anyway forget that for a minute the reason why I'm disappointed today is just in the waste and by that I mean that Paul Heckingbottom um, took over from Chris Wilder and actually had 10-12 games in charge as manager of United um, before the end of the the uh, Premier League season at that point in time he could easily have been appointed um, and because he was the under-23s coach and because there were a lot of players who he's bringing through into the first team, it would have been a far more consistent way of our transition from Chris Wilder to, um, you know, to a new manager and also a new division. So I think we would have hit the ground running far faster this year than we would have done by changing the manager. 
Right, but we did change the manager, and we changed the manager for somebody who was going to play in a totally different way. So consequently, what's been happening is that the fans have been getting, you know, the results have been patchy, and the fans have been getting used to the fact that there was probably a year's worth of change around to allow the new manager to play in the style he wanted to play before we started to really see consistent results. We were seeing flashes of it, but before we started to see some consistency, we accepted the fact that he probably needed at least a couple of transfer windows, he needed backing by the board, he needed to take some players out, bring some players in to play the way he wanted to play, and they we would then start to see the you know the benefits. And there's no doubt he's a successful coach because he took you know he's taken previous clubs uh, out of the championship into uh, League One, and I saw the, the the Fulham team that he took up, and they were superb, absolutely superb. So there's no doubt he can do the job. What we've done today is we've got rid of him because of the results, even though that was fairly. That was almost a self-fulfilling prophecy because if you you know if you don't give him the time, it's going to be a mixed bag of results. And we've gone back to the guy that if we'd gone with all the way along in the summer, we'd probably be in a better position than we are now. But that's now the direction of travel. The direction of travel is back to where we were, and yet the opportunity for to do that was in May. And this is the bit now where I'm kind of in that. Well, you've you've brought a guy in. He's managed for six months, but ultimately you were never going to support him. So that's that's been a waste of his time and a waste of his energy, you know, uh, and particular waste of his emotional energy. And then you've gone and made the decision that you could have made in the summer. And had you made that decision in the summer, we probably wouldn't have lost six months of this particular season. So it's it, it was so predictable. And that's the bit that I can't quite get my head round. Anybody could, you know, I, I, I talked about this with my dad and a few other people at the time. I probably would have given him the job, personally. I probably would have given him the job in the summer. And I, th- and I think, you know, as I say, we'd be in a better state than we are now. I didn't necessarily want the manager that we've just got rid of. But as soon as he came in and I saw what he was trying to do, I was quite taken with what he was trying to do and now I'm disappointed for him. So the guy that I didn't really want, when he came in and I saw what he could potentially have done for us, I now feel let down by the fact I've not got to see that project go all the way through either. So just just a huge waste of time and energy. But then that's the beauty of supporting a football club like mine because for the vast majority of the time, it's absolutely shambolic. And it's been absolutely shambolic this week. Yet we still keep going back for more. And I'll be back for more on on Sunday, you know, giving Hecky the benefit of the doubt and hoping that he can he can provide a little bit of pre-Christmas magic. Friday. I've discovered a fringe benefit of Black Friday. Um, and the fringe benefit of Black Friday is that, to me, it's now become uh, annual unsubscribe day. Because the one thing about Black Friday is that whatever you've signed up to, whether you wanted to or you didn't through the course of the last year, and a lot of it's coming from, I always try and get, paper sorry email receipts if I can to avoid the paper being printed off so consequently when you ask for an email receipt I don't quite know how but tacitly you must be giving permission for um, you know to be contacted so it seems to be that through the course of every year I, I don't know how it happens but I just I just constantly seem to be getting more and more 
you know, spam email, sales-based spam email. And the beauty of, of Black Friday is that if you if you set yourself the challenge or the task to have a look at everything that lands in your inbox on Black Friday and then unsubscribe from everything that you've been meaning to unsubscribe uh, uh, for all year, you will get rid of 90% of your spam email on one day because the one thing that's guaranteed is anybody who is going to send you anything will send you it today. And, you know, you don't. You, you, it's almost. it's almost like... You can forget about it for the rest of the year because some of these people only actually email you once or twice a year. So it's, you know, when you swipe and delete it on your phone, you forgot about it, but you're still on the database. So wait for today, wait for Black Friday and say to yourself, right, I'm not going to delete anything. I'm not going to swipe anything off my phone today. I'm actually going to leave them and then I'm going to sit down for half an hour with a glass of wine and I'm just going to unsubscribe from every single thing that's come to or at least have a little conversation in your head about that particular company that's emailed you and say, well, actually, you know what? I'm fine to still be contacted by these people. But it's just the perfect day to do it. So I've taken something that really used to quite annoy me, the volume of Black Friday stuff that, I mean, let's face it, it's been coming for weeks, but... It needs to be today because the one thing is there's a load come out of the woodwork today that haven't actually been doing it for weeks and weeks and weeks. So wait, let it all drift in, let it all let it all float over you. Don't worry about your notifications today. Wait, glass of wine, sit down, and there's something really, really, really uh, uplifting and empowering about unsubscribing from all of that noise that you really don't need in your life from day to day and that is what I'm taking into the the weekend I'm taking that into the weekend that for a little while after those things have all gone through there's going to be less unwanted noise in my life you know up until the fact that somehow I magically get subscribed back into these things even though I don't quite know how it happens uh, have a great weekend um, and you know in, enjoy whatever it is that you've got going on but even if that's Black Friday shopping uh, and I will speak to you next week. If you've enjoyed Therapy for Me, then please subscribe and share as you see fit. This has been an A Short Stories production.